you probably know that there's a couple of really tough passages. Um, in some ways, maybe like some scary passages. Uh, maybe even some passages that kind of like, maybe even challenge what you believe theologically. And so this is one of them. And so I want to I take us through this passage. It's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 to 31. So I just want to kind of set the stage by, by just reminding us of a scene that some of us see on Friday nights through the fall. And I, I just kind of flash back to the, the year that Adam was playing football at New Braunfels High School. It was a great year. They went to the state championship. That was a really exciting year. And I, and I could remember when it got to the fourth quarter, the players on the sideline would hold up four fingers. And it was just a reminder, it's the fourth quarter. It's the fourth quarter. And in holding up those four fingers, they're really saying, let's finish the game well. It's the fourth quarter. Let's encourage one another to stay in the game. Regardless of whether we're winning or losing, stay in the game until the end. Fourth quarter. Let's stick with the game plan. It's the fourth quarter. So everybody just kind of raise your four fingers just so I know I'm communicating with you. It's the fourth quarter. It's the fourth quarter. Ron, way to go. Way to hang it up there. Four fingers, Ron, not five. (laughs) The game plan for us is let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. We want to keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going because He is always faithful. He always keeps His word. So if we hold on to His promises, we're holding on to Him. That's the game plan. Grab on to the promises in God's word. And let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out it's, it's the fourth quarter. The big day's about to be here. We want to stay in the game. We want to keep going to the end. And we need to encourage each other to do that, to live it out. Encourage one another. Not avoiding worshiping together, as some do, but spurring one another on, especially as we see the big day coming. We meet together to encourage each other on, to bring out the best in one another. We know the day is coming. We know that life can be hard. We know that life can be frustrating. We know that we taste the good things of the age to come. And then sometimes it just seems like that age is so far away. So we want to encourage each other. That's the game plan. Now what if, as we're working that game plan, what if we give up before the end of the game? What if we walk off the field before the game is over? I remember when I was in high school, we uh, had a thing called the winning edge. We did some ridiculous things in high school. And the winning edge was, it was field drills. And Adam, don't pick up any ideas because your guys won't like this. But I mean, it was like 
working us to the point of exhaustion. And it was in August, so it was hot, and I mean, it just was crazy. And in the midst of that winning edge, this guy quit. And I, I, don't, I don't remember the guy's name, but it was not a pretty picture as this guy walked off of the football field with everybody else laughing at him. It was like awful. So, you know, you don't want to leave the playing field before the drill is over. You don't want to leave the playing field before the game is over. You don't want to quit until Jesus returns. But what if? What if we let go of the promises? What if we stop encouraging one another? And what if we neglect meeting together? We just stop. By the way, the point of what we do is not meeting. Meeting together is the result of something else. We meet together because we've met Jesus. There's a couple of you that I don't know very well. I've only met Jeff a couple of times, so can I pick on you a little bit? When I don't know someone very well, I usually will go, hello, How you doing? my name is Scott. What's your name? My name's Jeff. Hey, Jeff, good to meet you. You know, that's, you know, that's kind of how we relate person to person. It's really the same way with Jesus. I mean, there was a day that Jesus, I'm assuming this has happened, that Jesus walked up to you and said, hey, my name is Jesus. What's your name? Good to meet you. You like to follow me? Okay. <laughs> it's just that real. That has happened, right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, there is a way that Jesus... I put you on the spot, didn't I? <laughs> Will you come back next week? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, that's how he, initi- he initiates relationship with us. I didn't pick on you. I don't know you very well, so I'm not going to, but I'm not even going to, I'm just going to look around. But the point is, our God is a relational God. And he comes to us and he says, hey, my name is Jesus. And I know your name. And I want you to follow me. And my friends, when Jesus introduces himself to you, and you start following him. Even as discouraging as relationships can be and as churches can be, we still have this desire out of relationship with Jesus to meet with others that are following Jesus because we know we need each other, because we know we need the encouragement, because we know we need to come together and validate who we believe in and what we believe. So it's not about meeting together. It's about knowing Jesus and coming together to encourage one another. Because Jesus has introduced himself to us. So what if we stopped meeting together? See, if you stop meeting together, it's probably more of a reflection of what in the world is going on between you and Jesus. It's not about going to church. I mean, we're actually being the church this morning. 
We're not going to church. We're being the church. And if we stop being the church and we neglect meeting with others that are following Jesus, if we let go of the promises of God, we leave the the playing field before the game is over, it's really a reflection of something has gone horribly wrong in our relationship with Jesus. So this passage says, if we give up, and turn our backs on all we've learned, all we've been given, all the truth we now know. We repudiate Christ's sacrifice, and we're left on our own to face the judgment. And a mighty, fierce judgment it'll be. If the penalty for breaking the law of Moses is physical death, what do you think will happen if you turn on God's Son, spit on the sacrifice that made you whole, and insult this most gracious spirit. This is no light matter. God has warned us that He'll hold us to account. He'll make us pay. He was quite explicit. Vengeance is mine. And I won't overlook a thing. And God will judge His people. And nobody's getting by with anything. Believe me. Now, it would be important for us to understand this passage. So it raises the question about deliberate sin. The message doesn't use deliberate sin. Other translations do like this. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Now, what in the world, what sin is that? Well, let's go slow, and let's be honest. Number one, we are all repeat offenders. No, Inga says, not me. We're all repeat offenders. God says what is right and what is wrong. And everybody in this room, in one way or the other, has seen what God wants and what God doesn't want. Everybody in this room has deliberately said, I know you don't want it, but I do want it, and I'm going to do it. And we've done that repeatedly. Most of us sitting in this room have a habitual sin. And we're really sad about it. I mean, we really are remorseful about it, but we keep doing it. May I suggest to you that's not what we're talking about here? It's not that kind of our everyday run-of-the-mill, it's not like that's okay, but the reality is we are transgressors. Again, that's why we need to meet together to encourage each other. Stop it. What are you doing? Are you kidding me? Because my sin is going to affect you, and your sin is going to affect me. No one sins in isolation. 
So according, like, according to the lexicon where you kind of dig in and try to find things that are helpful, we're not talking about sins of ignorance or sins that come out of weakness. They're still deliberate because we still decided to do it. And some of the times it's like we didn't decide to do it and we did it, but we really did do it because we did decide to do it. I mean, we can get, you know, deceived. Oh, I really didn't choose to do that. Excuse me? Yeah, you really did choose to do that. It may not have seemed like your choice, but you did it. So we're not talking about those sins of ignorance and the games that we play. And we're not talking about sins of weakness that slowly but surely over time and faithfulness and grabbing onto the promises and hanging in there with each other, we get over it. It doesn't mean sin is eradicated. We just move on to a new set. Because we're being perfected. So we're not really talking about the sins of the do's and don'ts here at all. That's not what we're talking about. So we're not talking about being saved this week, becoming unsaved during the week because you did it again and being saved again next week. We're not talking about that at all. We're talking about something that is much more deliberate and something that is much more serious. So imagine this. Think about this for a minute. Think about all that we've learned. I mean, just think about, just from this morning, the songs that we sang, the lyrics that we sang, the little that I've shared, the little that I've read. Just think about what you've learned just today. And then start adding what you learned last week when you read the Bible and spent time with Jesus. You went to Bible study. You read that book. You met that person. What we've learned. Just think about what we've learned. Not just last week, but the week before and the month before and the years before. All that we've learned. Think about all that we've been given. Jesus has given us life. Jesus has given us forgiveness. Jesus has given us everything we have. All that we've been given. And all the truth that we now know. All we've learned, all we've been given, all the truth that we now know. And now consider this. A deliberate decision to walk away. To turn your back on what you know, who you know, what you've been given, the truth that you've believed and the truth that you've experienced. It's a deliberate decision to say this relationship that Jesus started with me, when Jesus walked up and said, hey, my name is Jesus. What's your name? Come follow me. Going all the way back there and saying, that relationship with Jesus and all the benefits of what Jesus has brought into my life 
all the benefits of the new covenant. And as we've been traveling through Hebrews, Hebrews saying the new covenant works. It works. It's effectual. It cleanses, it cleanses the conscience. It washes us clean. We have an advocate before the Father. We cry out and there's somebody there. All the benefits of that new covenant, we now say, it's not working for me. I'm walking away. Now, specifically in this letter, to these people, these are people that are tempted to say, the new covenant's not working for me. I'm going back to the old. And so what's wrapped up in that is the blood of Jesus isn't working for me with my sin. I'm going back to animal sacrifice. The high priesthood of Jesus, the resurrected Lord that's with the Father and is pleading my case, that's not working for me. So I'm going back to an earthly priest. The temple of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in me, the Holy Spirit living among God's people, that's not working for me. So I'm going back to the temple that at that time was in Jerusalem. You see the difference? This sin is described as this, trampling on the Son of God. Treating the blood of the new covenant as common, unholy, insulting and disdaining the Holy Spirit, rejecting mercy. There is a warning. If we turn and walk away, if we deny that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior, if we deny the benefits of the cross and the resurrection, then we have this terrible expectation. we got to show up on Judgment Day before the God of the universe who does hold every one of us accountable for what we've done with our life and we have to plead our own case. I don't know about you, I don't want to do that. Because I know I would not win. I would much rather show up on that day with Jesus beside me who is my advocate. See, it's a terrible thing to fall into the judgment of God without Jesus. It's an absolutely wonderful, unbelievable event when you're with Jesus. It's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God without Jesus. It's a wonderful thing to fall into the hands of the living God with Jesus. You see the difference? Our friend, whoever wrote the letter, ultimately the Holy Spirit, didn't put this passage in there just because it's a hypothetical. I mean, this could be a reality. But what the passage is really bringing home is it's the fourth quarter. The big day is about to happen. Fourth quarter. 
Fourth quarter. Life can get hard. It can get tiring resisting the same sin again and again and again. It's hard to fall down and get up again. Fall down and get up again. That's hard. It's the fourth quarter, but stick with the game plan. Don't let go of the promises of God because behind that promise is the person of God. Hold on to your relationship with Jesus. Out of that relationship with Jesus, connect, meet together. Don't let go of each other. Don't stop encouraging each other. So here's some suggestions. How many of us drive a car? Okay, those of you that don't drive a car, please don't do this. But you can sit on your mom and dad's lap. Matt, you can't, but... (laughs) This week, when you get in your car and you grab the steering wheel, think of this. I'm not going to let go of the promise of God. You might want to pick up one of the favorite promises that are on these posters. Pick one. I'm not going to let go. Today, I'm going to listen. That's one of mine. Today, please listen. Scott, today, please listen. I'm going to hold on. Today, I'm listening. Grab the steering wheel. Say a promise. Don't let go. Do that every time you get into the car. All of us do that, okay? Second thing, suggestion. Encourage at least one other person this week that's in this room right now. Don't let go. Don't quit. Right now, look around. Pick out a person. Deliberately choose... I'm going to touch base with that person sometime this week to encourage them. Hold on. Finish the game. If you don't have their phone number, you don't have their email, you don't know where they live, find out where that is before you leave today or it's going to be tough. Then pay attention to meeting together. My friends, going to meetings without relationship does nothing except makes you religious. Going to meetings because you have relationship with Jesus and with each other is of great value. Meet with somebody this week. Share your life with somebody this week. We have community groups. We want to live life together in community groups because we think that's essential. We don't think we're going to make it through to the end if we're not working together in smaller groups. We won't finish the game. We won't finish well. And then pay attention when time rolls around next week to come back. Why are you walking through that door? 
Why do you want to meet here? We don't want to neglect meeting here, but we want to pay attention to meeting here because relationship is happening outside of this room. So if you'd like to stand with me, and let's kind of pray to these ends, that would be great. Take a moment and forget about the person behind you, in front of you, to the right, to the left. Forget about me for a moment. And just in your heart, just in that quiet place, would you say hello to Jesus? Say good morning, Jesus. We started out with this lyric, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. But we welcome you, Jesus. Speak our names. Connect us with you right now. Jesus, we meet together because of you. Jesus, our meeting this morning was preceded by relationship with you. Jesus, we're doing this because you have invited us into relationship with you. So we acknowledge and we thank you for that relationship. And Lord, we thank you for the promises that you speak to us. Everybody listen for a moment. Having spoken to Jesus in your heart, listen, is he speaking a promise to you? Does he have a word for you this morning? Listen to him. Jesus, whatever you have spoken to us from the word this morning, from the songs this morning, from time with you this morning, Lord, we want to take a firm grip on that promise. So just kind of clench your fists. That's just a way of saying, I'm holding on. Whatever Jesus has said to me, I'm holding on to the promise. And we praise you together that you always keep your word. Lord, I want to thank you this morning for Christy, for Benji, for Jonah, for other artists. Thank you for the inventive ways that they came up with this week to encourage us toward love and for encouraging one another to live this out. Lord, I pray that you would, by your Spirit, 
give us other ways, inventive ways, to love each other, to love those in this world, and to encourage. Lord, I pray for our meeting together. Lord, I pray that our meeting on Sunday morning would always be preceded by personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray that our community groups would be preceded by personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would save us from just attending meetings and call us into relationship with you that then makes every bit of difference when we meet together. And Lord, thank you that the day is coming. Thank you that the day of your return is coming. And thank you for the hope of the transition from this present age to the age to come. Thank you that that day is coming. Lord, we hold on to you. Because you promised a return, and you promised a new heaven, and you promised a new earth. You promised to set things right. We hold on, Lord, to your promises. Finally, I would like to extend our ministry in prayer to a couple of, just a couple of things this morning. One, one of the things we get most discouraged about is our physical health. Uh, I... Uh, I did some frame carpentry on Friday, and I, I, you know, Nate and Bryant left me all by my lonesome to do it, and and I got home and like my arm was like about to fall off. I mean, I was really hurting because I was pulling. I I just did something, so I know that I got to be a little bit wiser about how I do things because I'm getting a little bit older and my body's wearing out. That's a reality. We live with that. Our body breaks, but we also have the promise that our body is repaired that there's healing. Some of us are broken, physically broken. And we want to keep praying for each other because we believe our God is a healer. Otto, was, he asked for prayer last week. Sinuses are better this week. We want to keep praying. That's just an encouragement to keep doing it. Demonstrate. But... It, it's discouraging if we don't feel good. So if you have any physical need, we want to pray for you over here before you leave today. Then the other thing that comes to mind, we would love to pray for you if you're just ready to give up. I mean, if you're really discouraged to the point of, I just want to give up. This is a sham. And I'm really close to giving up. You know, would love to pray with you. So let me say amen. Those of you that want to stay for additional ministry, please do. Some of you have to stay because I've already invited you, Inga. And, and uh, we want God to show up and do what he says because he's faithful. So Lord, thank you for your time. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for inviting us into relationship with you. Send us out now to live life to the fullest. Remind us to hold on to the promises. Remind us to encourage each other. Remind us, Lord, to meet together as the overflow of relationship with you.
Thank you, Lord. Amen.